Here to discuss all things NRL, AFL, and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings, salutations, and welcome to Outside the Sheds. I hope your Origin 2 hangover has started to subside a little bit. You're kind of getting back to the day-in-day mundane life of this new COVID world. And we're getting through it. But one thing we can say as we start this episode of Outside the Sheds, and I say again, Shedheads, welcome to the party, is that... Like the world right now that we live in, where one country doesn't think that COVID really actually exists and we don't have to wear masks, and another country still continues to try to battle it and uh, tries to keep their athletes safe and their environment safe and blah, blah, blah. I can go on and on and on. The overwhelming feeling that I got going into Origin this last week uh, after we recorded our last episode was... Just the uncertainty, because it looked like Reese Walsh was going to start as the fullback, and everyone was up in arms about that because they thought he was too young with seven games of NRL experience. And then he gets injured. And, you know, you have a, you have a Queensland team that is still reeling after getting rocked 50-6 to six in game one. And then you say, well, we're going to put Ronaldo... Mulatalo back in that position. An incredible footballer. Uh, I watch him quite a bit at Sharks games. He also played for Team USA, unfortunately for him, during the last Rugby League World Cup. At least, I guess, the Tomahawks, Eagles, whatever they call themselves, at least they had one shining spot uh, in their roster. Oh, by the way, did I say they're not going to be in the next Rugby League World Cup, the Stars and Stripes? Well, that's okay. They wouldn't handle the masks. Um, but what I'm going to say about this is when word came down that Ronaldo was ruled out because of eligibility standards, you just kind of had that feeling that the rest of the week was going to really not go well for the Maroons. Now... I don't know if a lot of you, especially if you're here in America, understand, and I've done a lot of research with this, but Ronaldo did not pass that when he filled out his card, he put that he arrived in Queensland after his 14th birthday. And you have to be in Queensland before your 14th birthday to be eligible to play for the Maroons. Yes, it seems strange, because uh, that is not like anything that we really experience over here in America. But, rules are rules. And I know Ronaldo was upset about that. But, again, it is what it is. So, next thing you know, you got Val Holmes back there in the fullback position. Which some people would say he should have never left. But I'm going to say, and I'm going to kind of transition from Ronaldo right now. And I am going to go to a feeling. And I've had this feeling a little bit as we went into this. 
is that it really feels like a changing of the guard has happened in the battle between New South Wales and Queensland, which has been dominated, dominated for the last 15 years by the Maroons, the big three. And no, they didn't win every series. They did win eight in a row, though. They did win eight in a row. But you just have this sensation. Because when I was going into it, I was really, really, really thinking. and trying to think neutral. Where, does, where do the Maroons go? You just lost 50-6 to six up in Townsville, which a lot of people think is one of the heartbeats of Queensland Rugby League. And I didn't have any answers. Because I didn't have any answers because I didn't see how they were going to attack this Blues team. One. And two, how they were going to stop this Blues team. Two. There's just too much strike. There's too much... There's aggression. There is fundamental skill. These guys like one another. And I say this, and it goes back to what you heard what I said the last couple of episodes of the show. That breath of life coming from the foot of the Blue Mountains, and that is the the, the Penrith spirit of brotherhood, fun, togetherness, has totally swallowed up this New South Wales team. And yes, you know, that's only five players. There's quite a few other players, you know, James Tedesco. Turbo, they're not, they're not blue. I mean, excuse me, they're not Penrith Panthers. But it's just this overwhelming feeling of unity, togetherness, and a genuine love for one another that you can really feel. And when you watch these last two matches of Origin, you don't see that with the Maroons players. Like you saw back when Cooper and and Cameron and, and Billy Slater and, and Thurston really were the centerpiece, the you know, the, the 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 heartbeat of that team. Yes, you still have your Dane Gag guys, a guy that will leave it on the line, a guy that's gonna play all out. I don't care how strapped up he might look like the mummy when he runs out there. He's so taped up. But he's gonna be there. But Cameron Munster's cheekiness, DCE just never seemed like he could get a feel of these last two games. And I don't know, does that mean now you go back and look at Paul Green? Because I think it's bigger than Paul Green. Even though some people say that this Origin squad was even stronger than last year's squad, which everyone says was the worst Queensland team that ever suited up and also won the Shield. But I, going into the match, did not see any way. And it is the first match that I've watched Origin and I've watched every Origin match since 2011. Okay? 10 years now. This is my anniversary. I don't know what that is for my 10 year. I know Wood is my five, but I don't know what my 10 year anniversary is. But what I will say is that I've watched all, you know, every, all three matches every year for 10 years. This is the first time I've ever gone into an Origin match where I had no real anticipation. I didn't have any real feeling of what's going to happen because even though this game was at Suncorp Stadium, I did not see the Blues having a problem beating the Maroons. Now, I didn't think they were going to shut them out, but they did. 
And the look on Cooper Cronk's face as he was in the studio afterwards, there was a sense of anger, embarrassment, frustration. You know, I would, listen, if he knew that it was going to turn out 26 to nothing and that the Maroons would have lost the last two games by a combined score of 76 to 6, all of those old guys would have suited up again. Because the funny thing is, if you those some of those guys have been retired for multiple years now, they still would have put together a better effort than what we saw out on the field these last two games. And I don't see it, I don't see it getting any better. And that's when I say there has been a drastic shift in origin. Because I think a lot of the Maroons faithful are thinking and they're envisioning a Sam Walker, uh, Reese Walsh halfback combination in the future. But that's still a long ways away. You're talking about two 18-year-olds. And you're not going to blood in two 18-year-olds in your halves at the same time. Not going to do it. Just not. You shouldn't. Because what will happen is those kids will be crushed and they'll never live up to being the origin players that they have the possibility of being. But let's go into the game just a little bit. You know, we've we've beat them down too much now, right now, the Maroons. Let's talk about it a little bit. Not that this is going to get any better. The tone of Origin 2 was set by one man, and that was Latrell Mitchell. A lot of people will say that Teddy had a great game, which Teddy did have a great game. Turbo was still doing Turbo things. Uh, Brian Towell continued to stand as as a man amongst boys in size-wise, but totally with heart, still had two inches on everybody on the field. My thing is the Kyle felt theft that Latrell Mitchell did. The one-on-one steal he did on Kyle Felt, I, to me, feel set the stage, set the foundation, set the platform for how the rest of the match was going to go. I've stood next to Kyle Felt before, uh, like I said, when I tell you guys that I was at the uh, um, Auckland Nines. But he got ragdolled, Shedheads. And I would not think that Kyle Felt could get ragdolled by anybody. But Latrell grabbed, grabbed the footy from him, yanked it out of his hands, and Kyle Felt could do nothing about it. He could do nothing about it. It was like Latrell grabbed the ball and said, give me that now and let go. Like you would say to a little kid. And and I was, I just remember staring at that going, wow, that just happened to Kyle Felt. And to me, that was the entire mentality and the entire way that the Blues played their match from that point forward. And every time the Maroons kind of tried to push down the field and tried to try to get back into it. And a lot of the old, a lot of older rugby league fans, origin fans, way older than myself, who've watched way more origins more than me, would have said, as the tide was starting to shift and really starting to turn back to the Blues and the Blues were starting to impose their will, that would have been the perfect time for a biff to happen, a hard hit, a high tackle, whatever, just to show them that they are in a fight. For the next 80 minutes, 50 minutes, whatever. 
And it doesn't happen. And it, we've talked about this talking about other sports as well, how there's just not that edge of angst in sports anymore. You know me, I've told you a number of times, numerous amounts of times, how much of a fan of the NHL, but more of the game of hockey that I am. And you would not see many 4 nothing, 5 nothing games in the NHL back in the day because there's going to be a fight that's going to happen. And that fight is more not the standpoint of two guys being mad at each other. The fight is going to happen is showing that as a team, we're not taking this lying down. We're not taking this. I'm, I'm, you're going to feel fists or you're going to feel a little bit of pain right now if you want to continue going on at this pace and this rate. And we don't have that in sport now. And no matter how much we still love sports, sports does not have that edge of danger, that edge of fierceness uh, that we once had in it. And I miss it. I'm not going to lie to you. I miss it a lot. But I think that the, the Maroons would have really changed their fortune if they would have gotten into the niggle, got into, you know, even if a guy gets sent off for throwing the biff down. I think that the fire that that Suncorp Stadium would have rose to uh, would have really been a game changer and would have maybe got their spirits back into the match more. But it didn't happen. And Latrell again, later on, imposes his will by an intercept pass in their end and going 85 meters, running the other direction, scoring a try. Latrell Mitchell is starting to show what people have said week in and week out, that he can be one of the most, if not the most dominant player in the NRL, maybe one of the most for sure. Because he showed on the biggest stage in rugby league that he is a force. Not just a player out on the field, but a force to be reckoned with. And it was something great to see. Because I think we've watched over and over again. Even if you think about last year and uh, him and, and Otto, Otto Carr being out on the ranch together. Let's go four-wheeling shirtless, boys! You know, it was, a, it was just a good old time. But he, he, he copped a lot of scrutiny for that. And to me, again, that's more social media things where, yes, I know I'm talking to you on a podcast, blah, 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 okay, okay. But what I'm saying is, you know, these guys can't live normal lives anymore because they're, they're professional athletes are going more into seclusion because they're scared that everybody is a roving journo now. Everybody's got their phone. Everybody's thinking about putting together a TikTok video. Everybody's thinking about posting something on Instagram. Everybody's thinking about, oh, how many Facebook people can I get if I put, you know what I'm saying? Like, no one's genuine anymore. No one really cares. Everyone looks through their phone. Except for me. I, I really don't do that. But I, I, I don't like to separate myself from everybody like that, folks. But what I'm saying is they really, 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 really uh, get this. And they're on top of it right now. Uh, again, James Tedesco. I know right now I've talked a lot about Latrell. But James Tedesco uh, had a man-of-the-match performance, and we haven't even talked about it yet. But James Tedesco has stepped into some big shoes to fill with Boyd Cordner, and he's done it on two of the biggest platforms in the game. He's the captain of the Blues, and he's the captain of the Chooks, the Roosters. Which, a captain of the Roosters, you may not like the Chooks, but he is always a well, he is very much the captain of of the Sydney Roosters is always seen as one of the top tier guys in the league that people respect and like. I don't care if you're Blues. I don't care if you're Maroon. 
they're they're respected because they carry themselves in a certain way. You're going to see them in a blue blazer and you're going to see them in a red and blue tie. They're men of honor. Whoever gets put as the captain of the Sydney Roosters is a man of honor. And he's known throughout the league as that. He carries himself a certain way. And that's what James Tedesco is now. So he is the captain for, you know, two clubs that are very, very much well-respected and honored. And I know you don't like the Blues, Maroons fans, but you still respect them as you're being your nemesis. But James Tedesco, again, continues to do things, and, and they really haven't skipped a beat. And with Boy Corner retiring and being in the box up there with Freddie Fittler, um, he's got to feel good to see that a Roosters man is still the captain of the, the squad, and the, what he's doing with that captaincy is br- beyond brilliant. And I think what, what really shows how great the Blues are right now is their defense. The game was well out of hand. I'm saying, it, you know, the, the Maroons were not coming back. And the defense, two defensive stops on the line by Turbo and Brian Tao, to me showed you how the depths that the Blues were willing to go to preserve, number one, that bagel up on the board, that zero. But that the game wasn't over and they weren't going to give. They were going to hold their line. And they were going to play to the whistle. And I have to say something. That, to me, that those last moments when they did that was very Maroons-ish. And what I mean by that is the pride. Honor the jersey. The pride. And it's not that the Blues before, the, the, the predecessors of some of these clubs recently, they did, it's not that they didn't love the jersey, but putting that jersey on comes with weight and responsibility. And sometimes I don't think I've felt that all the time for, for the Blues teams. You know, yeah, Gal was always running it and, and, and representing it and being prideful of it, but I don't know if it went through camp that same way. But... There was just that tackle that both of those guys did was almost a tackle of how dare you try to break our line and to score against us. And I don't know how that disappears going into Origin 3. I just don't. And this could be the first sweep in 21 years. It's happened twice in 21 years. And just think about this. Freddie Fittler did it as a player, as a captain, and he's getting ready to do it if if they win game three as a coach. And I don't think that's ever happened before, that a player has done it and then become the coach and done it. But Brad Fittler has something magical going on with the Blues. And this could be, we may be seeing the beginnings. And, and think about this. They would be going for three in a row right now if not for injuries to... Tedesco and Cordner last year, in last year's series. Because you're going to tell me that how close that series was anyway last year, that if a healthy Tedesco and Cordner played for the Blues, that the Blues couldn't have won that series? I think you're I think you're lying to yourself if you think that's not the case. I think you're beyond lying to yourself if you think that's not the case. But where did the Maroons go from here? You know, I, I just... It was really strange to see, and I've heard a lot of people talking about this, that the Paul Green, uh, DCE, uh, Daily Cherry Evans press conference where they kept harping on uh, Ronaldo not being in the side and how it just kind of formed, blah, blah, blah. I I am a big DCE fan. 
daily Cherry Evans. Like I said, I saw uh, Manly live when they lost to the Roosters in 2013. I was in the stadium. He came right over into my section uh, to say hello to his wife, um, who was sitting, I guess, right in front of me. And I had no idea it was her, but the guy gets it. I'm saying he, no matter if they win or lose, he, he takes the microphone. He's he's never too high, never too low. Well, he, like I said, he's, he can be depressed, but he'll always answer your questions. Uh, and he'll answer them with conviction, and he'll look you in the eye when he's answering them. So it really, to me, was a little bit out of character a little bit uh, that they went in that card. Instead of saying, we apologize for letting down the Maroons faithful with his performance. And right now, they're already on pace of being the biggest blowout in a three-game series for Origin. And I think they're already they're 20 points ahead of pace right now. Like, it would have to be a blowout by the Maroons in Game 3 for them to, quote-unquote, not for it not to be the biggest blowout in a series, um, of a three-game series. So, that's really scary for them. If you're a Maroons fan, I, I think that you have some dread uh, in the back of your mind, in the pit of your stomach right now, because I don't see much changing for Origin 3. Now, let's talk about Origin 3 briefly. It is going to be on July 14th. We have no idea where Origin 3 is going to take place. It's supposed to take place in Sydney. They're supposed to get the shield in Sydney. There's, it's, it's, it was going to be beautiful because the Blues were going to be able to celebrate in front of their, their fans since they don't give the shield out until after Game 3. No matter that the series is already over, that you know the Blues have won it, winning the first two games. But we don't know now if they will be lifting the shield in Sydney. And that all comes down to I guess, I, it's so scary for me to say this word, science, for the science. And that would be that if people aren't healthy, you're not going to have it there. So there's been a push possibly for Newcastle, maybe for Canberra, for Game 3 to be held. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. But I can tell you that it is July 14th. And I can also tell you a major, major aspect of this game. We're going to have a new halfback for Game 3. Because Nathan Cleary received that shoulder injury we all know about now. One good thing is that that shoulder injury has now come out that it's that Nathan is not going to need surgery, which means it's not going to rule him out for the rest of the season, even though it looks like he will be on the sidelines for a month. And you wonder what that does for the playoff aspirations for the Penrith Panthers. Yes, they've got Burton for another few games, I guess another 12. It just depends until the season's over. But he is not Nathan Cleary, which has been proven by the results that the Penrith Panthers have, have um, how should I say, put up on the board with the Big Five being out, being in origin camp. But Nathan Cleary will not be there. Myself, I'm taking Mitchell Moses in that spot. Myself, I'm putting Mitchell Moses at the seven. I'm not putting... A, a, a guy that does not manage that might be a freewheeling halfback slash 5'8 in that position. I'm going with him. Because I think Mitchell Moses has been waiting for that chance to put on that blue jersey. And I think he will do it with a lot of pride. And I think he knows exactly what it means to wear that. So... That is going to be big, and that's going to be huge to see what happens uh, in that capacity for Origin 3. But I don't, I don't, I hate to say this, Maroons fans, 
I don't really care who they put at the seven. I think that team has that much strike. And I, I don't know how up the Maroons are going to be to play game three. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen Cameron Munster be so disheveled after a game as he was in Origin 2. Like, he just, it he almost had that thousand-yard stare a lot of times you hear about soldiers having that have been in really fierce combat. It kind of like he had that look. Like, he just, he, he didn't know what to even say. He just, he just looked out of sorts. And that just isn't really how that guy has ever been. Not that I've seen. So, um, Origin 3 will be raucous. It will be fun. If you're a Blues fan, I think you're going to have a chance to really, really celebrate after that. But congratulations to the Blues to, for winning the Shield, even though they don't own the Shield yet, because it isn't after Game 3. So let's go on to our 4020s for the week. And we know that it was a very unique week because we did not have matches because of the Sunday night uh, sledge that happened up at Suncorp. But we did have some news. And the first bit of news we've already talked about. Due to the new COVID-19 restrictions for New South Wales, there will be no crowds in Greater Sydney and 50% capacity for other stadiums in New South Wales. So that means we're back to last year, folks. We're going to have to put together the thing that changed the sports world. That is fake crowd noise. Woo! Hey, ask the boys in the Tour de France if they didn't wish they didn't have some fake crowd noise, if you know what I mean. Whew. Anyway, so I guess we don't have to worry about uh, too much Tui dry in the stands and the boys just playing some footy. And I know if you talk to any players, they'll say that they really feel and they love having the fans in the crowd. And like I said, I haven't seen that many idiots in the crowd in, in, in Australia. So you guys have always conducted yourselves in a, in a pretty good way. Okay, you do. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Before I say that, I will say something. My, my, my friends, my family down there, my shed heads in Aussie, I will say you guys do like to run on the field naked way more than we do over in this country. The, the, the streaking on the field is something. Now, we don't ever get to see it because they don't ever show it, but I love watching the player's reaction as some knucklehead is taking off downfield, letting his kibbles and bits shake in the wind, and we, we see that he hasn't probably done 15 sit-ups in the last 30 years of his life, but he's out there just running. He's just going. Just feeling, I'm feeling, the, I'm feeling the turf in my toes. I'm going out there. Look at me. I'm going to give somebody a don't argue. It's beautiful. And don't stop. But I don't understand it. <laughs> There's no positive that comes from it. You're going to jail. For what, 13 seconds of excitement? I don't know. I, I think it's hilarious. Sorry, I went off on a tangent there. But we won't have to worry about that because, because I guess there will be ghost streaking in, in the stands or, or, or on the pitch uh, coming up in New South Wales uh, slash Sydney uh, with these COVID restrictions. Now, getting away from that, let's talk about some of the players, some of the movement that's gone on because we had two kind of major league signings and moves that have gone down. Uh, Nick Meany. Uh, a guy that I think really is going to be a steal. And especially where you see that he's landing. But Nick Meany has signed a two-year contract starting for the 2022 season to go to Melbourne to be with the Storm. And if Craig Bellamy is there for another season, I'm so excited and curious to see what Nick Meany will be like having that type of structure and leadership and getting a full camp in with the Melbourne Storm. And I think the Nick Meany could be a outstanding breakout player next season with that type of tutelage that I think Bellamy, if he comes back, 
I'm hoping he does. I'm not even a Melbourne Storm fan, but I love watching the Melbourne Storm play with bellyache running the show. If, if I could watch rugby league till the end of time or until the end of Sh- your Shed Adamas's days, uh, I want bellyache to be the coach for the Melbourne Storm. He is one of those characters. Him and, him and Ricky, uh, you know, Sticky, those two guys add such a zest watching a game because we're always waiting for that shot after a good play or a bad play to see those guys' reactions. So Nick Meany, I think, is going to a great place. He's got a two-year deal. And I think we're going to see him as one of the breakout players for next season with that change of environment. Um, Now, right after we recorded last week, I was so upset. I was so upset I almost came and did the first back-to-back Outside the Sheds podcast. That's how big to me this story is. And that is right after this, we, 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 we cut tape and we said, rap, last week. News broke that Sean Johnson is going home. And if you remember how things ended for the Warriors and Sean Johnson when he left to go to the Sharkies, you would have never thought that that a couple years down the track, things would be so repaired and that he would miss home that much and that the Warriors would need that guy back to help, how should I say, right their ship in the right direction, that it, you would hear Sean Johnson coming back home. But I am so excited to see him go back. I'm excited for Sean that he gets to take his family back home. And I know that it's difficult because Sean Johnson is New Zealand through and through. His 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 partner is a netball player that played for the Kiwis. Um, they're, they're Kiwis, all right? And and it's tough to, to, to move that family and to move that structure. He didn't have a baby when they went over there in the beginning to be in Cronulla. But it's, it's got to be difficult because I don't think Sean Johnson truthfully ever ever really thought of himself. He even said that after his playing days were done in Australia, he was going to be back in New Zealand as fast as he could get there. So it's so great to see him go back. And the picture they've, I've seen of him putting on the, the uh, Warriors jersey uh, to take the picture of, of his signing, he just seems so alive in that jersey. And it, it really... Not that I haven't been happy to see him playing for Cronulla because he's played some brilliant football when he's had a chance. Yes, he's underachieved, and yes, I think all of us would like to see him run more. But I do think that um, when he's played well, he's played really, really well for that club. It's a different type of play where he's more taking control of the team and the game and having him and, and Chad kind of running the halves. It's been fun. But he's a different type of player, and I think he could be a, a, a perfect player to put in there with, with Chanel in the halves. Um, but I also think that he's going to be special, and he's going to do things. The funny thing about this, though, and I don't know if you guys have paid attention to this, we know now that I reported last week that Chad Townsend is back with the Warriors for the, rema- for the remainder of the season until he goes up next year to North Queensland. But Sean Johnson's going to go against the Warriors twice, and Chad Townsend's going to go up against his old Sharks team twice in the last few weeks of this season. And these two clubs will be battling for that top eight position. I think that if they that they could both be fueled to finish in the top eight. But I, I think this last half of the season is going to be some brilliant footy. If the referees put those damn whistles in their back pockets and let these guys play, what a breath of fresh air, Origin. Ugh. Anyway, um, 
I think we could see some really magical moments happen this last part of the season. And I think that we really, I'm saying from five down, we could get some real switching, some real changes in every week. I think we're going to have a different move in the top eight. And, or excuse me, I should say the bottom five. Bottom four, I guess. Uh, Because I think the top four are already in stone. But those last four positions is going to be a bloodbath to see who takes them. So, um, big signing. Congratulations to Sean Johnson to go back home. It's got to feel great. Uh, and I think that he's going to do some some real magical excuse me magical things going back to the Warriors. Now we've we've had some big inclusions for these clubs coming up to this weekend, um, and and I think for the rest of the season. And some of those are I can't believe it that he hasn't played for for a while. But Jared Croker is back, the captain of the Raiders. He's back in the side this week. Kalen Ponga is back with the Knights this week. AJ Brimson. Is going to be back with the Titans this week. Some two big inclusions this week. And like I said, Kevin needs as much firepower as he possibly can get. But Katoni Staggs and, and Corey Oates are back in the side this week, this weekend, for the Broncos in their uh, tussle with the Sharks. So those are going to be huge because if, if you haven't read stories, Corey Oates has been on the outs a little bit. And... I didn't understand that personally. I think Corey Oates is a heck of a player. I think when Corey Oates is going, usually the Broncos are going. So I would have as much firepower as I could. I'm saying he's a big guy. If you have him on the wing, he can do some incredible things. They moved him to, to you know in the back row for a little. I, I, I didn't know what they were doing with Corey Oates. But he is going to be back on the wing. And I think that could be good for the Broncos and not good for other people because he's going to come back motivated. He's going to come back to show that he should have never not been in the side. Now, the question is Katoni Staggs because Katoni Staggs wants to partner with Adam Reynolds in 2022 in the halves for the Broncos. To me, that's a little strange because I don't see Katoni Staggs as a half, five-eighth type of guy. Now, he's a brilliant football player. And I am really excited to see him back and to see how healthy that leg is and how much strike he's going to have on the ball. But I just don't know how he's really going to fit in the halves. Now, it does not look like he's going to be in the halves on his return, though, because it looks like my boy Gamble and Brody Croft are going to be in the halves um, for for this week anyway. So we'll have to wait and see. But... Tony Staggs is back, so that's huge for the Broncos. And then finally, after his, how should I say, that nasal congestion problem that he's been on the sidelines since, uh, I would say it's a Bolivian nasal problem, uh, Brent Naden is going to finally be back in the Panthers' side uh, since his unfortunate, uh, how should I say, the powdered sugar incident. How about, how about that? We'll call it that. Um, but Brent Naden is back with the Panthers. Uh, and I think the Panthers are going to need everything they can with Cleary being out for a month. Now, unfortunately, the next story we're going to have to talk about again is virus-related. Because Todd Payton, head coach of the North, Queen, North Queensland Cowboys, is going to miss the next two weeks and two matches due to COVID. And that's not that Todd Payton has COVID. He has been, how should I say, traced through contact tracing with being in a market where COVID existed, 
So he is in a 14-day isolation period. Dean Young, their assistant coach, is going to be in charge until his return. But how strange is that? Right now, it seems like walking around in Australia, because you guys actually talk about and can use the word COVID, I've actually watched matches and games over here in the United States where they're scared to say the word COVID. It's like they're gonna, somebody's going to pour hot water over their head, tar and feather them, and then shoot them with an arrow to make sure they're dead if they use the COVID word. But you guys have no problem down under saying COVID. England, you have no problem saying COVID. COVID exists. So Todd Payton, because of contract tracing for COVID, is going to be out for the next two weeks. So, wow, a lot of stuff there. Especially for a week where there was no games played, except for one origin match. Uh, A lot of excitement, a lot of unknown, but a lot of fun. So let's go into round 16's draw. And we're looking at a start on Thursday because of, here we go again, there's that word. Okay, I'm going to be a brave man and say it. Because of COVID, the Roosters match, which should have been in Sydney, has been relocated up to McDonald's Jones Stadium in Newcastle. So the Roosters storm tussle is now a Roosters home match in Newcastle to start off the round. Whew, I'm going to take the Roosters in this one. Sam Walker's back. Uh, I'm just going Roosters. I just feel like you've now given um, Robbo a chance to sit back with his team. Guys have had time to rest. And I think, even though the Storm has been playing some incredible footy, I just think the Roosters are going to get him this week. Just feel that way. And hey, look at me. I went seven for eight. I can say that type of stuff. Friday, we've got the Dragons and the Warriors. I think the new Chad Townsend combination there, some of the uncertainty that's going on with the Dragons right now still, uh, Corey Norman leaving, all this type of stuff, uh, players not knowing about their future. I just think it's a lot of disarray going on with, with, with St. George. So I'm taking the Warriors. Then we have the Eels at the Panthers. Now, I was going back and forth on this one. Because I think Mitchell Moses is going to play very, very well because he wants to show that he should take Nathan Cleary's spot in the origin side. But at the same time, I did tell you guys that if I ever tried to pick against the Panthers, you were supposed to kick me in the shins with a steel toe boot. So I like my shins, so I'm taking the Panthers. I just think that Jerome Luai is... I should change this. We should put an asterisk because we don't know what could happen between now and then. So your Shed Adamas is going to say as long as Jerome Luai and Tao are in the... Are, you know, named in the side and start, I've got the Panthers. If you guys find out that Luai and Brian Tyle are not in the side, you'll have time between this podcast and that match to say, oh yeah, Shedadama said those guys aren't there. I'm not betting that match or I'm going Eels. I would go Eels if those two guys aren't in. But at this current juncture, they are. So I'm taking the Panthers. Saturday, Sea Eagles at Bulldogs. I'm not singing it. You know what I'm going to sing and what I would sing. I'm still taking the Seagulls over the dogs. Then we have the Titans at the Raiders. Again, I'm going to go with Sticky and the boys. I know the Titans and Justin Holbrook are really looking to try to get their season kick-started. Um, but I just think Ricky is going to try to push 
the green machine into getting hot in this back half of the season and to make a real finals run. Then we have the Cowboys at the Knights. You know, we've got Ponga back. We've got Jake Clifford, who is excited to play against his old club to show that what they should have kept, but they didn't. I'm going Piercy and the boys. I'm taking the Newcastle Knights over the Cowboys. Then we have the Sharks at the Broncos. I don't have the Jaws music queued up, but again, maybe one of the hottest teams in the competition right now, I think stays hot. I'm taking the Sharkies. And finally, we end the round. Oh, how excited I am for this one. Rabbitohs at Leichhardt and the Tigers. The Tigers who, they are now holding themselves accountable in camp. They're holding themselves accountable at practice. I got a question for the uh, orange and black, gold and black, whatever you want to say. Why were you not holding yourselves accountable before this point? That's a question. You know, I forgot, you know, their coach is one of the toughest guys in the business, right? And Madge, how are you not holding yourself accountable? But that's been said too much. Let's just get on with it. I've got the, the I've got the bunnies. I've got the bunnies from the burrow. The boys from Redfern. Rabbitos all the way. Now, enough rugby league talk. Let's go on to our other love, and that's Aussie Rules Football, the AFL. The code that does not send players off for accidentally hitting somebody. So, I told you my match of the round was going to be the Swans and the Power at Adelaide Oval. And boy, oh boy, did that live up to all expectations. A back and forth affair. Uh, and I've got to say something. I loved it. The reemergence of one Lance Buddy Franklin. Because there was a period of time in that match when Buddy did Buddy things. And if you don't know anything about Aussie Rules football and you've not been a fan of Aussie Rules football, go on to YouTube and look up Lance Buddy Franklin AFL or Swans or Hawthorne Hawks. The guy, when I use the term and the phrase gun, this guy is a gun through and through. Now, unfortunately for all of us who are Aussie Rules football fans, AFL fans, uh, Buddy Franklin has been injured quite a bit lately. And he's been having a problem coming back from those injuries. I'm lucked out enough that I got to see um, a Port Adelaide versus a Sydney Swans match at the Sydney Cricket Ground a couple years ago. So I, I've actually seen Buddy live, and it's pretty magical. The guy is a, a... His size is incredible, and his speed and his pace are something else, too. But it was so cool to see Lance Franklin being the Lance Franklin that some of us fell in love with the game and fell in love with him as a player to see. That being said, the power still prevailed at home, 81-71. And... It was really fascinating because they wrestled that win from the jaws of defeat. Because the Swans really, I thought, had them. But the power showed some resilience. The power showed, even with some of the injuries they have, Butters, uh, Dersma, guys that aren't in the side right now, um, they had the steel to hold on and win that match. And that was a big victory because that win vaulted the power into the number four position. And we all know how important finishing in the top four in the AFL is to bring that flag home. Um, it just it just allows you to heal up a week 
where a lot of guys won't have a chance to. So, great win for the power. Great win for us to see Lance Franklin be buddy again. Now, I keep telling you that I've rode those coattails, and, and I've told you over and over that I've stayed loyal to the Richmond Tigers, um, that I think that they are still going to be dangerous comes final time. Well, their 62-22 loss to St. Kilda, this changed quite a bit. That's changed a lot for a lot of people that follow the game because I think that tells you right there there is trouble at Richmond, and it's, a, it's due to a lot of injuries. But they're going to have to have Dusty and Kachi and Jack and, and those players really find that championship pedigree that has seen them win the flag quite a bit recently. But they better turn it on. And, it, and, and what better team to turn that on against? The Gold Coast Suns are your opponent this week, uh, yellow and black. So what a big way and what a great way and a chance to take out your anger and frustration on Brandon Ellis, your ex-teammate, and his Gold Coast Titans. Now, let's talk good news. Let's not talk about the shambles that's right now going on with the Richmond season. Let's talk about the Carlton Blues. And we don't probably talk enough about the Carlton Blues on Outside the Sheds, but the Carlton Blues really have not given us a lot to talk about on Outside the Sheds. But this week, we're talking about them because guess what, Blues fans? You have signed your captain, Patrick Cripps, to a six-year deal, which is going to keep him at Carlton until 2027. Let me say that again. Until 2027. That's six years of having your captain. That could be what we would say is foundation, Blues fans. And Carlton has not had the F word for a while. Well, you do now. So let's see what this does. Let's see what this if this steadies the the ship on the water a little bit, let's see if this changes uh, how the Blues strike. Um, but that is such good news for Carlton because you guys just haven't had it. You just haven't had that positive feel coming for quite a while. Well, you got it now. So let's do something with it, Blues. Let's do something with it. Now, my match of the round, we've got a six versus seven tussle, a showdown. And this is big. This is going to be big because... Mm-hmm. If the Swans want to continue to keep moving up and try to make it to the top four, they've got to win this match. And for the Eagles to try to get higher than seventh and start their pilgrimage, their 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 walkabout, they've got to start now. Now, the crazy thing about this match is this match is not taking place at either one of these teams' home grounds. It is happening in Geelong because teams are all leaving Sydney. And now all the teams are heading to Melbourne. So we're going to watch the the Eagles versus Swans in Geelong. That sounds very strange. That sounds like it's almost sacrilegious. But it is what it is, and that's what we're going to watch. So great match. Great match to see for my match of the round. Now the guns. Something all of us love, and let's get into it. My number one gun, even though, like I said, he didn't have the biggest numbers. He was the tone setter for Origin 2, Latrell Mitchell. One try, 176 running meters, five tackle breaks, one gigantic steal on Kyle Felt, 15 tackles made, and one intercept for a try. Brilliant performance by Latrell, uh, and I was so pleased to say that I saw it. My number two gun, I just talked about him a second ago, Lance Buddy Franklin, Sidney Swans, four goals, two behinds, 16 disposals, 
12 kicks, three marks, two tackles, 362 meters gained, and one goal assist. That's a match, folks. That is Buddy doing Buddy things. And it's so great. I, I, I'm right now in front of in front of my microphone. I've got my prayer hands up that we get to see a healthy Buddy Franklin for the rest of the season. Because it is it is true for any of us that are true fans. That could be something marvelous and something brilliant to watch and experience. And my number three, I think you guys already know who I'm going to say. James Tedesco, the captain, 234 running meters. 49 kicking meters, two line break assists, two try assists, 10 tackle breaks, and three tackles made. Again, Teddy, just really leading from the front and again bringing the shield back for New South Wales. Now, as we come down the home stretch and we go outside the bubble right now, let's go with those Atlanta Hawks. The team that your Shed Adamas talked about early in the basketball season, a team that Yershed Adama said, watch those Atlanta Hawks. Let me say that again. Watch those Atlanta Hawks. Well, you better still be watching them because the Milwaukee Bucks still are. And when people say, fear the deer, you better fear that that low-flying bird of prey right now. Because even with Trey Young not in the side, they found a way to even that series at two, without their all-star, without their gun. But the big story coming out of that, besides the victory, is Giannis going down, the Greek freak going down with it, with a leg injury for a hyperextended knee that, you know, I'm just a guy that watches the game. I can't say Milwaukee is my favorite team by any means. But as a fan of the game, the news that just came down that there's no structural damage to that knee is huge. It's such good news. Uh, he is doubtful for game five, which is key. Think about this. Trey Young comes back. Giannis is not in. The Hawks could really steal game five in, in Milwaukee and come back home for game six and have a chance to close this thing out to go to the NBA Finals. And I just saw online that some guy is one step closer to a $2 million payout because of a bet to see the birds of prey in the finals. So, again, I can't say that I pick everything, but I pick some things, and the Hawks are soaring. Now, I don't know, have you been following it? You know, I've been trying to really push the puck, push the puck, push the puck, but we've got a game two tonight, and after the Tampa Bay Lightning won game one, five to one, and beat down, bruised, knocked him around, beat him up, beat him up, knocked him down, blighted them, knocked him down, beat them. Okay, I think you got my point, right? The Tampa Bay Lightning did Tampa Bay Lightning things and really imposed their will on Carey Price and the Montreal Canadiens. Les Habitants really struggled, and it's the first time that I've seen them struggle that much in a game since early on in the Toronto series, a series they went down three games to one, but came back to win over the Maple Leafs. Game two is tonight. Game two is in about an hour from this recording time of when I'm recording right now. But I've really, really, really got to tell you, uh, Shedheads, that 
the Montreal Canadiens better bounce back tonight because they they are not coming back against a Nikita Kucherov-led Tampa Bay Lightning team if they go down two games and nothing to the Bolts. So, going to be an exciting game. I think it's going to be a hard-hitting physical game. I think Montreal is going to come out and show they're not going to get pushed around and that they are going to try to, how should I say, lay down the lumber tonight and really try to impose their will. But we'll see because the Lightning are an incredibly skating, excuse me, an incredibly gifted skating team and that is what Montreal usually is. And right now what we're seeing is that Tampa Bay after game one is the best skating team in the league. So fun game to watch. Definitely watch that. The only problem is that game two is going on the same time as the game one. Excuse me. What am I saying? As the game three the final game of the College World Series. The final game that's going to pit the Vanderbilt Commodores against the Mississippi State Bulldogs. One game to take them all. You've got Kumar Rocker, the ace of Vandy, up against Will Bednar, the ace of Mississippi State. Kumar's coming in with four days rest, so a normal rotation rest period for a pitcher. And Bednar is going to pitch on three days rest. But they still have their, their ace uh, reliever, in the bin, Sims. So you got to think that you've got a, a pretty evenly pitted game. Kumar Rocker is four and zero at the College World Series, and this is probably and this I'm not probably this will be his last game that he ever pitches with the V on his hat. This will be the last game he pitches for Vanderbilt, and I find it hard to believe that Kumar Rocker will not put on a performance tonight that we will be talking about for years to come, um, and I think. Then I'm taking the Vanda boys to win the game and to win the College World Series and to be the first back-to-back champion that we've seen since anyone, anyone, yes, your South Carolina fighting Gamecocks and your boy Trey Wingo at second base. That being said, Shedheads, I'm bringing a conclusion because guess what? I'm a fan too, and I'm going to go watch the College World Series. So, until next week, get your footy in. We've got the NRL back this week. Embrace it. Suck it in. Let's watch some good footy. Put the, put the whistles away, refs. Put them away. But after that beautiful saying by you, Yashet Adamas hopefully goes 8 for 8 this week. Let's bring it home. Stay out of trouble. Don't get caught, Shedheads. Until next week, this has been Outside the Sheds. I'm your host, Corey Jackson. See ya! And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about. 